Hey, Zach. Hey, Stephen. So, Zach, we both go to some pretty good schools, if I do say so myself. I would agree. You go to UW-Milwaukee, I go to UW-Madison, and people go to these schools for lots of reasons. Uh, academics, sports, the normal stuff that you go to college for. Yeah. But once you get there, you discover that there are some really great things about your campus. And yep. stuff that no one tells you about before you sign up. What are What is one of those things? I'm actually going to have to ask you to provide your own example first, because I'm not uh, totally sure that I'm following. Okay, well, I want to start this as a recurring topic on worrying bugs, because there's a lot to love about UW-Madison, at least. Uh, my first example was Babcock Ice Cream is the one and true ice cream on UW-Madison. <laughs> Babcock is, the, is a building which houses the agricultural department of UW Madison. Yep. And there are cows. Just in the middle of the city. Yes. I mean, Neat. they're not wandering, but they're, they're there. <laughs> ah, yeah, these are the street cows. <laughs> the, the local merchants just put out a bowl of milk for them sometimes, and they... <laughs> All ice cream that is served on campus is less than two days old. Ooh. So you get nice fresh ice cream with some really cool flavors like orange chocolate chip, which is basically orange dreamsicle flavor ice cream. That has chocolate chips in it? With chocolate chips in it, yep. Nice. It's really good. Uh, there's Charity, which is a vanilla ice cream with chocolate and frozen cherries. All right. Not maraschino cherries, like actual cherries. Ooh. And then Union Utopia, which is just the perfect blend of chocolate, caramel, and peanut butter. And it's so yeah that's one of the hidden treasures of uw madison that's the kind of thing i'm looking for in this recurring segment so are you talking uw madison or madison as a uw madison oh boy because uh the uw milwaukee main campus is a whopping four blocks large okay maybe we'll just go madison and or milwaukee then <laughs> or let's let's say Hidden treasures of going to UW-Madison or UW-Milwaukee. So okay. that could be like, we're in close proximity to Lake Michigan. Yeah, I guess. I actually am going to um, talk more about the Oak Leaf Trail, the Nature Trail. Because I, I feel like, you know, potentially there are people who listen to this who aren't from Milwaukee or Madison. Um, so my advice is not going to be any particular place, uh, but inspired certainly by the local Nature Trail. But just generally, nature trails are a place to check out. Is that totally breaking the format? Yeah, it's not really what I'm looking for. I'm, Dang, it, all right. that is awesome about your campus. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to go with the Oak Leaf Trail. Okay. That's the thing that I would... Like, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, what's a thing that I should do around Milwaukee campus? I would say, check out the Oak Leaf Trail. It's like four blocks away. And this nice little green stripe in over, overall a very cement city. All right, cool. And that's a hidden treasure of Milwaukee. And hopefully, if we like this, and if this segment doesn't get cut, we'll be back <laughs> next week with another one. <laughs> next episode, not next week. So, Zach, when you're walking down the Oak Leaf Trail, yeah. you're not just taking in nature. That's crazy. You're, no. You're probably that's... doing something on your phone. 
Usually I'm doing something on my bike, and I am a responsible individual who does not use uh, his bike and his phone at the same time. Okay. But, but I do use my phone for podcasts while biking. So, um, and you have some gripes with your phone. You're not, you're kind of having a fight with it right now. Oh yeah, I do. Uh, uh, it has some battery problems. Let's just say that it's a Nexus 6P and it has some battery problems. Um, especially anytime I try to use the camera at all. (laughs) So I've been excited for the new upcoming product announcements, uh, like the iPhone announcement a couple of weeks ago, and most recently this Google event that they had. And I've been looking forward to see what the phones are. But before we get to that, let's talk about some of the other Google things. Okay. Uh, they touched more on the AI yep. first as opposed to mobile first world. But uh, did you get a chance to see it, actually? Uh, I saw the first half, then I had to go to class. So I right. I looked through the live blog and and wrote down some stuff that I thought were interesting. Um, I might have misheard them, but it definitely sounded like they were proposing AI-based security as opposed to giving users opt-in and opt-out settings. Uh, I missed that. Okay. Because that was kind of concerning. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're replacing default settings with what they think the user will want. Maybe. It sounded like they were replacing this checkboxes with AI. Uh, you mean like the CAPTCHA checkboxes? No, like replacing, like, I want Google to track my location. Google just knows if you want them to track your location. So not even giving you a checkbox, just not guessing whether or not to turn the checkbox on, but not giving you the checkbox entirely. Yeah. But that guessing whether or not you turn the checkbox on thing is a much better idea. Yeah. And probably Uh, what they're doing. I think AI should determine the defaults, maybe, but not the, if you want to change that, because my answer is no. Most of the time. Um, Then they called out that the Google Wi-Fi, the little mesh router that they came out with a year ago, is currently the number one mesh router being sold. Which is crazy because it kind of sucks. It does? That's what I heard. That's what Twit says. Huh. Like compared to Eero and all the other really good mesh routers. But most people have heard of Google and not many people have heard of Eero. Yeah, no. It it should be the number one best selling. I'm just saying that does not make it the best mesh router. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then right after that, some guy got up on stage and pronounced Moore's Law just over. Oh, really? I missed that too. Casually. I... He was just talking and then he was like, and Moore's Law is pretty much over. So what do you really expect? Hmm. Is that... Oh, yeah, yeah. He was talking about how phones are like converging on this one on the one phone hardware's wise is that what he was saying i think so yeah yeah so uh, do you want to explain moore's law uh some guy who worked at intel said that processors would keep getting better first it was every 12 months they would double in speed then it was every 18 months they would double in speed and then it was every 24 months they would double in speed and now apparently it's just not true uh another thing that i found was that google flip-flops presenters a lot more than apple does like they're Somebody comes out and says two lines, and then they say, all right, now let's welcome Rishi Chandra to the stage. And then yeah. Rishi Chandra comes out and talks about a thing, and then back and forth a lot more. Yeah, I noticed that too. It was a lot of... It w- what they're trying to do is be more inclusive, mm-hmm. but what they end up doing is just having a lot of downtime, where yeah. there's nothing being spoken. It's just people walking on and off stage. Actually, there was something really cool about people walking on and off stage. 
the music they played in the interim was played on uh, Roly using Android, which up until very recently was not possible at all. Um, because pretty much no musical instrument manufacturer wanted to work with Android because Android had a, like, built into the hardware, effectively, two millisecond latency. Yeah, I think for I remember any audio. about that. So they fixed it with Android O, mostly. It's not entirely better, but... And that meant that the people playing the music while the presenters were getting up and off stage uh, were playing it off Android. Yeah, that's cool. Unprecedented. Google released the Google Home Mini, mm-hmm. which is basically an Echo Dot. That is exactly what my notes say. Um, voice match is cool. It's still cool, that is. Yeah. Um, the uh, So you ask Google Home... Uh, what's my calendar? And it knows whether you're you or your your kids. Yeah. So, and they will show you your calendar and not their calendar and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, I'm wondering if they can, if they have solved the recording problem where you can get someone's messages, their text messages, Google, hey, what, what are my messages? And if someone recorded you saying that, they could play it again and get your messages at any time. It's dangerous to have your voice recording now out of you yeah. saying Google Hey. Yeah, it would be if I had an Android phone or any. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as far as the, the Google had this whole thing about the design of the Google Home Mini. Yeah. Which I was not impressed by. I don't think it looks that good. It's not bad. Like, it looks better than the Echo. Mm hmm. But it's not... It, I don't think it's worthy of a Apple-esque design video. Yeah. Well, apparently they spent like three billion tries making sure they got the fabric just right or something. Which is... In, I, I think it's unnecessary because the fabric is... It, to me, to anyone who didn't work on it, it just looks like fabric. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not disagreeing at all. It it looks okay, but you could have just said, "Here's what it looks like," and been done with it. But the the important thing about how it looks is that it comes in coral. Yeah, that was an interesting choice. It was gray, white, and coral mm-hmm. are your options. So, so if you have a green themed house, you're just totally screwed. Yes. Uh, nest is still above water. Even though yeah. they had some major security flaws last year. I don't know that I heard about those, but... Yeah, people are getting their thermostats hacked. Oh, God. Also, their um, the Nest security cameras were getting hacked a lot. No. Yeah. That's bad. It really oh, boy. Is. And so, I don't know, like, I've lost a bit of trust in Nest, but maybe I'll keep listening for about it and see yeah. if the new stuff is any better. Um. My next note is, oh crap, they got Disney. They have a partnership with Disney where you can watch um, Disney shows on uh, Chromecast or something. Is that a partnership with Disney? It must be because Disney is very... Yeah. Yeah, they don't allow their stuff to be on non-Disney streaming places. Some Disney stuff you can buy from Google Play Movies, though. Yeah, it's just... That might have been what it was. It was surprising because Apple and Disney are buddies, and even Apple couldn't get Disney on the Apple TV. So it's, I don't know, Google had to pay Disney a lot is all I'm guessing about that. 
Mm-hmm. And along with that, they were talking about how they wanted to make sure that they could, like, they spent a while specifically training their AIs for kids and the way that kids talk and mm-hmm. interacting back and forth with kids, which was a good touch, I suppose. But they are kind of trying to have this as the whole family device. Yeah, it's for the whole household. Another thing for the whole household is the Google Home Max, which is the which speaker. Which they just kind of casually... It felt like just an, oh, by the way, we also have this thing. Uh, yeah, which, but it it's a major competitor to Apple. To Apple's, um, what do they even call that thing? The HomePod? Yeah, HomePod, that's it. Um, because Google Home Max uh, supports Spotify. Yeah. Which is something that HomePod does not. Well, it it is just entirely Google Home, but put into a big fancy speaker. Yeah. So anything that you can Chromecast or Google Cast or whatever they're calling it now, anything that you can <laughs> cast like that works with this Home Max. It's, um, I think it's more like they're trying to compete with Sonos almost because that reminded me a lot of the Play 3, at least in design of it. It is, yeah. It's a lot like Sonos. Um, I think the difference is that I, I say they're coming after Apple because Google is already far surpassed Sonos and could easily kill Sonos if they wanted to. Yeah. But Google can't kill Apple just on a whim. Not yet. But, like, the things they're doing makes it seem like they're really coming after Apple, and that's pretty um, evident when we get to the Pixel. I think now it's more that they're just coming after any sort of open space in the market. It's not open, though. Like, Sonos has been there for, like... 30 years <laughs> that's not true no it's not but but a long time way before apple and google but it still can be improved upon quite or at least they think so with the home home max yeah i suppose i, I think it's less gunning for apple and more just gunning for places to sell products niches to put products into they just happen to be the same niches that apple and sonos are in yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's weird how it works out like that sometimes. Uh, Pixelbook. They made a laptop. It's, it's a fancy new Chromebook. It's like the Google Pixel before, but not the not the Pixel the phone, the Pixel the Chromebook. Yep. Um, it's made from aluminum, which is much better than every other Chromebook that has been created so far. Yeah. Because every other Chromebook is made of plastic. Well, the it wasn't the Pixel. The pixel chromebook um wasn't that man even google is trying to forget about the pixel chromebook yeah (laughs) it had the fancy color bar bar thing though what what could go wrong (laughs) was that was that made in the same era as the nexus q i'm pretty sure oh oh um but yeah the the pixel book has a built-in assistant button so you can get just like max can get siri up now and um windows has cortana this just has a button for bringing up the pixel or the google assistant on the pixel um and it's also got a pen built into it yeah it's a or not screen. built in but pen compatible it's the laptops that fold in half the other way one of those things four in one yeah the four in ones i don't know what the fourth is but they definitely called it a four in one yeah so there's, there's the laptop mode the tablet mode the stand-up mode and okay so there's tent mode yep where you've got it 
like upside down kind of in an A-frame. And then there's display mode where you've got it in the A-frame, but the base is on the ground or on the desk. Oh, okay. That's the fourth one. It also works with Snapchat. The Pixelbook? Yeah. Wow. That's... Um... That was... Well, because it, it has um, Google Play on it. It can work with Android apps, just like a lot of new Chromebooks now. Right. And Does that mean Pixel... that... That means that Pixelbook signals its screenshots to to the apps. Yeah, it must. Which means that Netflix can make... Well, my... my my worry is that's a road towards DRM enforced operating systems. There's already DRM built into our web browsers now, Stephen. Yeah, but it's not in the operating system, but now it is. I suppose. It's not. Just saying. Yeah, but not the way you're you're talking about it much more doom and gloom than it actually is, I think. Nah, it's way more doom and gloom than I think. Probably, but what we can see is much less doom and gloom than what you're saying. <sighs> Fine. Uh, you're right. It is. But Netflix already can black out the screen when you're taking screenshots. I'm not sure how it does it, but that's already a thing that a lot of web streaming services do. Maybe. But there's the the built-in... The I know that the built-in Mac screenshot, the Command-Shift-3 which takes yeah. a picture of your entire screen, will take a screenshot of Netflix. Huh, okay. Because Netflix doesn't have time to react. It just pick yeah. picture. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how the, the thing works, how the uh, Android APKs on Chrome works out. Yeah, someone will break it soon. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the Pixel 2. Pixel 2. Yeah, so the Pixel 2. This is the thing I was most excited about, uh, plus one other thing. We'll get to that. Um, so it comes in the normal and the XL size. It comes in kind of gray, really black, and nicely blue or some weird names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the way it looks. I'm going to pull up a picture just to... Yeah, we'll put this in the show notes. Just for some reference, but I... I don't remember looking at it and being like, gross, so... It wasn't like a gross thing, it was more like a... That looks like a phone from a long time ago. Does it? Or uh, either that or a phone that is too far into the future for for it to look good to me. I kind of like it. I don't like that the button is a different color. I don't like that the the top half of the phone is a different color. Okay. Um, It just seems like... I don't know, the color choices seem arbitrary... Then just get the black... That's how all design works. Well, no, it's not. Because, like, there's, there's a, like, a line in which the color changes, right? And yeah. there's no reason for that line. Okay, I suppose you're right. And then the button's a different color because you have a hard time finding the button. Because it adds a splash of color. I don't want a splash of color. I want then my buy the black. Nice. Then buy the black, Steven. <laughs> Okay, but if I was going to buy it, it would be $650, which is $150 less than an iPhone 8 and $350 less than an iPhone X, which is a big selling point. Yeah, but also the Plus is $850 and the iPhone Plus is 800 Weird. Yeah, they're going after the small hands market. Yeah. <laughs> 
Or do you think they're trying to subsidize the small one with the big one? Maybe. I'm I'm really not sure. I mean, iPhone X is a size in between iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus, mm-hmm. which is a separate market entirely. Something I'm actually pretty interested in because I do feel like that my phone, which is a 6 Plus, is just a little bit too big and my, and the 6 is a little bit too small. See, I have huge hands, so I'm all for... I have big phones hands just too. increasing I have a, in as size. Big hands, I have as big a hands as you do, except I can't, if I'm holding the phone, my thumb can't reach the button to switch to numbers from letters on the keyboard. I think I always, well, I swipe type. Oh, yeah. So I always do two hands yeah, but for like, you, texting. You never type with your phone, with your thumb? No, because I swipe. Okay. Well, regardless, it's it's a phone size that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, the other really cool feature of the Pixel 2 that I found was the one camera p- portrait mode. That was cool, yeah. I wanted to know how well it works. Yeah. Because Apple has a portrait mode, but it uses two cameras, mm-hmm. like your eyes, to get depth. Google's trying to use machine learning to figure out how far some- away something is. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's going to be the one to do it, it's going to be Google. Yeah, it's you're the only yeah yeah. It's the same as covering one eye with your hand and trying to play catch. Mm-hmm. You you're in, initially really bad at it, but you learn how big the ball is, and then you figure out what size it is so that you can catch it. And I think they do it with a kind of HDR kind of thing, where it takes a bunch of pictures and your hand just moves like a tiny bit because that's how muscles work. This is a really fun story, actually. Uh, what? Uh, so in World War II, the, I have no fact checks on this. This could okay. be completely false. Probably. But in World War II, there was a significant portion of uh, the British Air Force that lost an eye in some accident or a mm-hmm. gunfight or something. And that obviously screws up their de- depth perception. Yeah. So what they would do, if they need to figure out how far away something was was yeah move their head side to side (laughs) and before firing upon something they would go back and forth with their head and and their brain would figure out how far away something was based on that yeah so i that's how the pixel 2 thing works is it not that much movement it's just a little bit of your hand shaking just because your hands are not perfect and then it combines all of them and uses neural networks or whatever to figure out how much stuff is moved um, a couple features that I noticed. One, I don't know. It's not a feature. No headphone jack. <laughs> I. You're saying it's I a guess. bug, Zach? Is it a bug? I'm saying I don't understand it. Unless the entire point of it was to push for wireless headphones. Wireless everything. Yeah, I agree. But we need an interim period. And Google just came out with the first of their wireless anythings. Force the customers um, to like it, Zach. That's an Apple thing, though. Google can't... They haven't been in hardware long enough to know how to do that right. I mean, but Google's... Their whole thing is learning, so, like, they've watched other people do that. They figured it out. No. I, I'm all for this, because I hate wires of all kind. Yeah. I was... I, I got my... Uh, my MacBook Pro, and it is the new one with only USB-C ports, and I was really excited because I had this plan to 
have only one thing plug into my laptop, even though I have several external hard drives and two extra monitors. Mm-hmm. I had this great plan where I would get uh, some USB hubs, plus uh, the monitor I got is the LG one that is the the best one to get with your MacBook because it's all built yeah. in and stuff. So I had this great plan to only have one thing plugged into my computer when I'm docked. Mm-hmm. And I was really disappointed when I had to have two things because my USB hub wasn't quite powerful enough to support two monitors. See, that's the that's the difference is my hub is powered. So I just have the one magnetic cable that comes in. No, my, my, it's powered too. Like it's uh, <laughs> the... It's more of a data issue. It can't drive two monitors through one cable. I mean, you I think get it a can. Surface. I, you got to yeah. get a surface, Stephen. That's, That's yeah. I'll get a surface and <laughs> let you know how that goes. Don't. <laughs> They're not bad, but delve further into the Pixel thing because I'm actually whoops. I'm actually looking at it as a phone, so I actually listen to all the features of it. Um, it's got this always-on screen thing. Um, so because it has OLED. Uh, or AMOLED. An AMOLED display, that means that each pixel can be turned on and off individually. So it can just turn on the pixels that say like 8 o'clock p.m. and then whatever your notification icons are. And it can have an always listening song recognition service. Always on the home screen. Oh boy. Because that's what everyone who has a phone always wants. To know what song you're listening to in the ambient uh setting of the ambient sound of the restaurant you're in i will use it three times yes um the always on thing actually seemed really cool because it just means you don't have to hit anything to know what time it is which i'm a fan of but all of their battery estimations and stuff were estimated without that always on display so i'm not sure how much power it's gonna suck yeah how do the what? Like it's a it's a toggleable thing. You can turn it off. Oh. And they tested the battery with it turned off. That's dumb. What was yeah. the battery estimates? They didn't say how long on a full charge, but seven hours on fifteen minutes or seven hours on twenty minutes. Twenty percent. Twenty. Oh, twenty minutes of charging. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't believe it. I it's USB C quick charging. It's possible. I'm, it is possible, but I mean, it's. I think battery estimates are iffy at best just because you what a lot of companies will do is say it's look it's 10 hours of use even though they're just they have a web browser open but they're not using the web browser. Yeah. Uh and then the last interesting thing is the squeezable squeezable phone. It's a squeezable phone. Great. What does that mean, Zach? <laughs> you squeeze the edge of it and it opens up Google Assistant. Oh, great. I mean, yeah, I. But if you're gonna if you're gonna have to talk to it anyway, shouldn't you just say, "Hey, Google"? The Google "Hey" thing doesn't always work in my experience. And having something that you can just hold it, squeeze it, say the thing, and not have to go like stand in front of a whole bunch of people and go, "Google, hey, Google, hey, <laughs> Google, hey, Google, hey, Google, hey," and then it'll bidding. Then you're like, "What's the weather right now?" And everyone's sitting there, just kind of side-eyeing because so it'll be good it'll be good to have the squeezable edge i'm a fan okay you convinced me that's a good idea (laughs) it's but it's only a good idea because the technology sucks i'm gonna say that yeah speaking of technology that sucks 
Let's talk about the Pixel Buds. Hey, now. Not as cool as AirPods. Why? Because they have a wire. Between them? Yeah. The whole point of the AirPods. they won't get lost. Come on, Steven. I know. I totally agree with you. I would much rather have no wire at all and the pause when you pull them out thing. Yeah. That seems so much cooler. But I need to not be too annoyed with the Pixel Buds. <laughs> so you're thinking you're going to buy the Pixel? So that's the question, really, unless we want to talk about Google Clips first, but that's, I don't know. Okay, let's talk about Google Clips first and come back to Pixel. All right. Uh, so Google Clips is a dash cam with AI. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That I, I didn't think about it like that, but you're right. It's just a camera that's always recording and only saves the stuff that it thinks is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It, it decides when to press the shutter. And then you decide which of, like, the 15 pictures it took in two seconds to keep. So, cool, but I don't <laughs> well, know. It, uh, it's it, it does speak product. to some other cool things that Google is doing with, like, Google Lens, which is another thing that the Pixel is going to have, um, which is mostly right now about identifying art from pointing your camera at it, and it'll tell you what art you're looking at. Okay, do you have to turn that on, or is that one of the uh, ambient songs in the room in a restaurant things? Uh, it's coming soon, so I don't know the exact implementation of it, okay. but it should just be a lens button when you open up camera. Okay, I want not even that button. I want to hold up my phone, don't open the camera, don't open the phone, point my, ca- <laughs> point my phone at this art, and have it show up on the notification screen this is the mona lisa or whatever steven the camera google does not have a good do a good job with camera power management that's not my fault if that was the feature if that was the feature that the camera was always on you would have 20 minutes of battery every time also serious privacy concerns but that's Eh. but if they're gonna do something like this because there is totally already an app that can do this. Is it's this the just, one? It's just now built into the camera. Yeah. In fact, I think Google, the Google app can do this. There's a camera button on the Google app, and you can take a picture of a piece of art, and it'll tell you that it's Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. I'm not impressed with Google Lens. I think there's going to be more to it, but right now, at least the demo, they just showed that you can find out what art you're looking at. All right. All that said, though, I need a new phone. Yeah. And I I couldn't decide. I, like, sat down and, and weighed my weighed my options. Um, and there's a few things keeping me on Android. I've pretty much made my decision unless you feel like arguing the other way. Okay. What are they? Um, familiarity. I, so I, I'm just going to preface this and say that my bias is towards iPhone. I want Zach to have an iPhone. Yeah. Okay. So, familiarity okay uh, keeping me on android um the fact that i uh if i pay for youtube red i've got google play which integrates with the voice assistant in a way that it doesn't with siri okay um <clears throat> and then the option for project Fi for international service if i go abroad okay here is my uh rebuttal to those three things okay um the fact that AirPods are better has already been weighed, so... Are you sure? You can add it, but... Okay. No. Um, so, for the first one, familiarity. Yeah. iPhones are meant to be instantly familiar. 
that is like one of the main features of an iPhone is if you give it to someone who's never seen an iPhone before or a phone in general, they'll figure out how to use it. Okay. Like, I think there was a thing when Steve Jobs was still alive, they took uh, an iPad to someone in Af- to uh, a child in Africa and he figured out how to manipulate it within seconds. Mm-hmm. So as far as familiarity goes, I wouldn't worry about it. You're smart and iPhones are easy. Okay. Okay. That was that was the last one that I added, but I was still considering it, so okay. Okay. Um as far as YouTube Red yeah. and Google Play, I have a solution for you. Well, for, I I would also like to say that Siri is their Apple released Siri kit with iOS 11. Okay. So now apps can actually use Siri. Yeah. So I'm you, I'm aware you, of that. YouTube is getting there. I'm sure of it. They're YouTube is going to have a Siri integration. The issue is not YouTube, it's Google Play Music. Okay. Because YouTube Red and Google Play Music are the same $10. Okay. Better solution then. Okay. Don't pay for YouTube Red, only pay for Apple Music. I can't go back to watching YouTube ads, Stephen. Okay. I've been living this posh life, it's not. But you can, with YouTube Red on iPhone, you can just, you can press play and it'll play in the background. Like, what's the... The fact that Apple Music ties into iPhone yeah. the way that Google Play does on Android. Well, in a little while, once Google gets their crap together and releases a Siri kit... Are they? Are they going to? You have to assume so, right? Why wouldn't they? To say, screw you to the iPhone users? I guess. No, they're not going to do that. Google likes their iPhone users. Okay. All right, so let's assume that that entirely won me over. I'm still dubious on it, but I'll need to roll around in my head. Okay. Uh, what's your response to the Project Phi thing? Uh, uh, Project Phi, let's see. What is the solution there? Um, the, the fourth thing, or the fifth, fourth thing, um, if I may add it, is that uh, – I already kind of know Java and don't know Objective-C at all. So if I ever wanted to make an app, but I understand that's a cop-out. So Also, it's Swift now. Oh, yeah. Also, and Kotlin on. yeah, it's not going to be Java for much longer. Yeah. <laughs> no programming languages are the same, Zach. Yeah, I know, but... So uh, here's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you... I, I don't have a good solution for Phi. I really don't, but... There are international carriers. But not ones that keep the same phone number. You don't want calls from people who used to know you anyway. <laughs> Anyone you don't give your new phone number to, you don't want calls from them anyway, right? Yeah, I guess. So Zach's buying an iPhone now, like as we speak. Yeah, it's it's in the cart. I've definitely already got all the money in my bank account and can entirely afford this. And it's not just kind of a... He's pre-ordering iPhone X as we speak. Yep. He's, He's really a grand. switched me around. I've gone from wanting the iPhone mostly for the also, AirPods. Also a pair of AirPods. That's also in the cart. And the, Yeah. And a new MacBook. Yep. He's on well, you got to get the whole system. There's yeah, the he, Apple Watch Series 3, too. And check out. All right. Well, uh, next episode, I guess I'll be coming to you from uh, the Apple suite. <laughs> you know what I saw in Skype today, Zach? What? An ad. Uh, An advertisement. Here, it might be. Hold on. One second. Don't 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 expect me to be a Microsoft apologist. I'm, Here we go. Offers I'm from just living partners. with it. Uh, 
Would you like a Nike uh, Kevin Durant MVP jacket? What about Fisher ski boots? Or would you like to save $2,000 on a 75-inch HDTV from LG? Because these are all things that Skype is telling me in the app. I don't see what your problem is. My Windows Windows Skype client has none of these problems. Anyway, I'm not okay with that, but that's a different issue. Yeah, you're right. That's... That's awful. Well, I still have my Mac, and I love my Mac. Mm-hmm. I have one issue, though, and this is okay. an issue that I would have on any platform. But What about a uh, Chromebook? Would you have this issue on a Chromebook? Actually, no. I wouldn't have this issue on a Chromebook. I would have different issues on a Chromebook. Get a Chromebook. Okay. Problem solved. I'll get a Pixel. No, wait. Not a Pixel. A Pixel book. Pixel book. <laughs> just just run your entire life off of one Android phone. Not even the XL. Just get the Pixel. Live your whole life there. Great idea. Okay, so I have a conundrum about backups. Oh, okay. I thought this was like you had a conundrum, but then you solved that conundrum, so this was your backup conundrum. <laughs> no, it's a conundrum <laughs> about backups. I see. So there was a fire alarm at 7.15 in the morning in my dorm since our last recording, Zach. Oh. Which was more annoying than anything, but it got me thinking. What if this was a real fire and the sprinklers went off? What would happen to all my electronics? Now, I take backups frequently, but the issue is that all my backups are on a local hard drive. Yeah. So if my room went up in smoke or got flooded, I would lose everything. Is the hard drive always plugged in? Yes. Mm. My laptop's not always plugged in, but it is always plugged in. Yeah. Uh... So I know what you're thinking. Just get Carbonites or Backblaze or Amazon Glacier. That's the only thing that's written in my notes for this segment. Yeah. The issue is I don't want to have to trust anyone. Ah. I know they all like, it's encrypted and blah, 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 blah. And, but it might not be. I have to trust okay. that they're telling the truth. Get DigitalOcean. Get a DigitalOcean instance and run your own backup and encryption service. Okay. I'm not sure what Amazon, uh, not Amazon, but uh, DigitalOcean's policies on storage are. But hold on one second. I'm going to pull up the exact volume of backup data I have. Why is it taking so long to load disks? It's about six terabytes. Okay. So if it charges by the gigabyte, then I have 6,000 gigabytes. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Yeah. So Amazon Glacier is a decent idea. It's, I don't know, I haven't calculated what the what it would be. And my best solution is, and this is still not a great solution for me, uh-huh. but my best solution so far has been get Amazon Glacier and encrypt the file before uploading it. Okay. Which is still not great because it's still online, the data's still there. If the password was cracked, it's all out in the open. So you want to set up your own server at your parents' house and back up to that? Yeah, that's a solution. I don't know. I don't have a good solution. That's why it's a conundrum. I don't... I want... I more want you to convince me that it's not an issue. It's not an issue not to have any backups off-site? No, it's it's not not an issue issue to trust Backblaze? To to trust Carbonite or Backblaze or Amazon. Okay. I I do think that Backblaze and Carbonite are going to be your like best best for your money 
because they don't do it by gigabyte. They do it by computer and drive. So, so long as you have one computer and like one or two connected drives, they will back up everything on them. Okay. Unless they are time machine backups themselves, then they won't back them up. They won't back up a time machine? Correct. Why? Because it's already a backup. Well, yeah, that's why time... I want to put it on the internet. So um, I, I only know Backblaze well because that's what I use. But Backblaze will give you kind of the same time machine thing where you can go back in time. Okay. Like for the last 30 days or something. It will back up all of your external drives. So long as, again, so long as they aren't time machine. And it'll do it all for like $5 a month. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that it at least tells you that it's encrypted <laughs> and i don't find any reason not to trust them i'm pretty sure that like okay but someone holds those encryption keys and it's not me i think it is you well it can't be me because if it were me and my computer went up in smoke then i wouldn't have those encryption keys i'm pretty sure restoring data yeah you can add your own passphrase okay so it's encrypted with my password yeah so, okay, I'll think about that because that and an encrypted upload to Amazon Glacier might be my best bet. One of those two, two things. I'll figure out what's more economical. Mm-hmm. I'm also debating on whether or not I'm going to do it at all. Do it, Steven. Do not have only on-site backups. I've got the opposite problem. I've only got off-site backups right now because I haven't got a drive to do like automatic windows version of time machine Mm -hmm. but i'm mostly confident in backblaze not going down because they're a large entity which is a bad choice but (laughs) it's my choice all right i'll update everyone next week because i'm sure they're in very interested in what i'm doing for my backup solutions um so backblaze is like where did you hear about it first on a podcast the twit network for sure um and there's a lot of other companies like that there's like casper Har- uh, harry's i was about to say harley's and that's they don't advertise on podcasts um casper harry's squarespace audible audible um audible is a little different from what i'm thinking about though uh i'm thinking about these companies that have like the good marketing and the sans serif font website like, if you go to the Casper website and you go to the Harry's website, they'll have their own personal branding, but they aren't all that different. Okay. Is there a name for that category? I feel like um, Quip, they make electric toothbrushes, would also fit into that. Yeah, the company that's pretending to be, well, I say pretending, but they they are trying to be the the blank for the modern world. The the mattress for the modern world, the razor for the modern yeah. world. The we we're taking a product that's been around forever, and then we're making it better because we have modern technology now, and the old companies aren't doing that, and we're doing it for and cheaper. Yeah, and it's shipped to you because we're not brick and mortar, and yeah. Um, is there a name for that? Uh, I mean, you could call them distru- disruptive companies even though it's not really what you're going for. Yeah, I think that's a little broader yeah. than what I'm looking for. I'm thinking we could invent a word if there isn't one already. Oh, okay. Um, 
And we could call them podcast companies. Uh, I think that that's more like Twit, 5x5, five five, uh, Relay FM. Those are podcast companies. Okay. We could call them... Uh... Marketing companies. Wait, no. <laughs> okay. What's a similar thing that happens on not podcasts? Like as QBC on, or yeah, as seen on podcast companies. <laughs> I like it. As heard about on podcast no, companies. As no, seen, as, as seen, seen as on podcast, podcast companies. All right, all right, everyone. From now on, only refer to the category that Casper and Harry's are are in as as seen on podcast companies. <laughs> then we'll know you're a real fan of worrying bugs. <laughs> we don't have a a name for them collectively yet, do we? Um, you mean fans of worrying bugs like yeah hello internet has the tims and yeah okay I, th- I think it has to come around naturally but that's something be on the lookout for it i suppose okay yeah if you have a good suggestion listeners write in that counts that's as organic as i want it to be so you have this expectation of how podcasts work they're gonna have a collective name for their listeners just what new media content does um how what was your expectation for or what helped set your expectations for things like romance or college things that are a little more real world real life uh probably movies and tv shows all right and you know like general society like uh probably school a lot affected my um mm-hmm. my the way i see the world for me I found myself a lot of times thinking back to web comics. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, oh, I can't open the links because OneNote's being awful and unusable. Let me just. Oh, great. Okay. Well, let's see. I'll I'll hand type the link. The pasting issue on OneNote is really bugging me because I figured out a way to do it with Text Expander, except. Sometimes when you paste things in OneNote, it just crashes. <laughs> that sounds like OneNote. I don't understand why, though, because it shouldn't be that hard to paste things. We've been pasting things for, like, 30 years. So, three particular comics have come to mind uh, recently. I'm taking a physics class, and um, one of the main things in the beginning of physics is the four fundamental forces okay you've seen i'm assuming the xkcd four fundamental forces comic or remind me anyway um it's basically just talking about each the gravity electromagnetism strong nuclear force and the weak force um and as they go through them the explanations just get more and more absurd um and a little like the weak force, it uh, radioactive decay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. So I took, I'm taking a physics class right now, and so far that has been my understanding of the forces. It was like, there's gravity, which we'll t- talk, talk about in this chapter, and then there's electromagnetism, which we'll talk about later, and then there's strong nuclear force, and then there's weak nuclear force. <laughs> there's not enough to write a chapter about it, that kind of thing. I guess, yeah. Um, And then along with that, there's the SMBC comic. Uh, It starts with, like, this dad sending his kid off to college, and he says, you know, I had a lot more trouble in the early physics than the later stuff. And she's like, man, I wonder. 
about why that is. And then the it cuts to a physics teacher talking about like, let's assume that there's no air and no drag force and no gravity and like, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And that is also held true for my physics experience. Um, and then the th- third is the, uh, another XKCD um, about the Fibonacci touches. I don't remember that one. 289. I'm going to send this to you and you can explain it because I don't. All right, so I'm going to read it out loud and then explain it. Sure. So I, it, This is the wrong medium, but... Okay, so it, the title is Alone, and it's, the first uh, box is a, a person and a person with short with long hair, <laughs> and it says, the boxes, it's not something you can turn off. And then the next one is, a part of me is always atta- uh, detached, sorry, abstracting, looking for looking at numbers and patterns and now they're the two figures are on the ground pulling the blanket off the bed next box is when we should be closest part of me is still so alone counting the touches of her fingertips and then touch 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 and now they're but it's it's laid out as one touch one touch two three five yep um and they're on the ground under the blanket right now. Wait, is that... That's the Fibonacci sequence. Whatever I did to deserve you, I couldn't have been... It couldn't have been enough. And it's it's a cute little comic. It's yeah. basically the... It's the girl in the comic tapping him on the ground under a blanket in a Fibonacci sequence. And he that makes him happy because he's a nerd is the idea, I think. So I don't... That one definitely... I it shaped not your view of the world. No, but it um, it it helped set an expectation more than shaping my view of the world. Okay, all right. An idea of what to look for in a person, like oh man, it's an I. Whether or not they know the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. <laughs> they got to be smart, funny, good looking, know the Fibonacci sequence, <laughs> and care about security. Yeah. What's your minimum password? Uh, like, what's your minimum length password on the first oh, date? Oh boy, that that actually should be a <laughs> like on Tinder. I, <laughs> I'm six foot, blonde hair, blue eyes, and my minimum password is twenty nine characters. That's not true. Almost none of yeah, that's usually. true. Blonde hair. I have blonde hair. That's the only thing about that that's true. <laughs> Steven's actually four feet tall. Uh, four and three quarters, Zach. <laughs> Four, four and th- three quarters inches, or four, four and three quarters feet inches. and three quarters feet. No, you don't say three quarters okay. feet. I you... no, it's four and three quarter inches. Four feet, okay. three quarter inches. There, <laughs> happy Sorry. now. One of these things that I expect from from TV or from web comics or whatever is that college studying happens in in your dorm. You just sit down at your desk and start studying, mm-hmm. which so far for me has not been true. That's it's interesting that that's like what was in your head before you came to college, because for me, I definitely thought everyone went to the library to study. No, I figured the library would be empty. Well, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, but I, I tend to move around as I go through the subjects. So for like computer science, it's mostly just typing and doesn't. At this point in my computer science class, it's 
a lot of stuff I already know, so it doesn't require my full concentration. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but I like doing it at my desk because of all the typing, I my, and I have my mechanical keyboard. Um, and the two monitors is nice when you're looking yeah. at like documentation on one side. And Yep. Um, I tend to do it while my roommate is not in the room, but if he's there, I usually just listen to music or rain noises or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, for calculus... Uh, all my homework and study materials are online, so I do need a computer, unfortunately. If I didn't, yeah. I wouldn't. Um, it's just a quiet environment is usually enough. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my bed works, uh, at a desk works. It, I'm not real picky about math. Um, English history is not like that, though, because there's lots of reading and note-taking, and I need it to be dead silent if I'm going to read and retain something. Yeah. So for what I do for this, there's a study room in the basement of the dorm. It's quiet because everyone is down there to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I sit at a table and write my notes with the pen and read the book. And after that, I like to go over my notes and type up the important bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Latin, the homework itself isn't very hard, which is actually kind of annoying because I can complete the homework without learning what the homework was trying to teach. Oh, uh, so to learn the stuff, I have to do the same thing as English history and just go down and really intensely focus on the vocabulary or the rules or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to do that sometimes with um, physics and discrete mathematics. So yeah, I like to do my studying in big blocks because it helps me to focus. Uh, it also means that you can't study in a coffee shop very effectively, unfortunately. Well, I can't um, because mm-hmm. in environment like that you're kind of obligated to buy at least a latte an hour is what i've figured out mm-hmm. so if i'm gonna stay there for three hours i just paid 10 plus dollars to study yeah i definitely don't have the same view as of study spots because a lot of times i'll kind of start reading a chunk one place and then have to go somewhere else because my schedule is pretty broken up mm. um but uh, honestly a lot of times i do just stay in my dorm and i because my computer can flip over like i can draw on the main one i can put the book up on my second screen and then take notes on the touch screen right and that's something i can only really do in my dorm because it's the only place i have two monitors makes sense um the library is nice but it's definitely for when i have a whole afternoon that i need to just sit down and yeah it's go. for a, a weekend yeah and then um, i'm also part of the computer society on campus. So a lot of times I, I spend, so UW-Milwaukee is four blocks for the most of the campus. And the bit of it that I spend all of my time in is one block. Uh-huh. It's just the EMS block, uh-huh. which is engineering and mathematical sciences. And their physics building is there too. And the chemistry building is the same. So all of my classes are in this one city block. Mm-hmm. So Madison is big compared to Milwaukee. It's, it's, uh, it's most of the city. Yeah. Or most of the downtown at least. Mm -hmm. And it's, most of my classes are grouped together, except, uh, they aren't really though, because they feel grouped together because of the way Madison is set up. Mm -hmm. Everything is spread apart. So things that are close together feel closer together, even though, like, yeah. the the area I spend most of my time in is actually four blocks and not one. 
it's still not that bad of a walk or bike or whatever you gotta do but um also madison is centered around bascom hill and if you know bascom hill it's a big big hill and it is a it's just awful to walk up so if you can avoid i sometimes what i'll do is i'll take i'll i'll instead of trying to bike up bascom hill if Mm -hmm. i can avoid it i'll bike around bascom hill to get to my class so i don't have to go over it but you can only go around it in one direction because the other side of Bascom Hill was a lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but then when I'm in the EMS area, I'm part of this computer society. So we've got a room just dedicated for the student org. So I can go in there and spend an hour or so studying that I just have access to. So That's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about your general way of doing things. Yeah. I. Most of the time, I just shoot for something that's between where I am and where I'm going. Makes sense. I have a bit of time between all my classes most of the time, so I have a lot of opportunities to come back to the dorm and bang out some homework or something. But think of like the five extra minutes of studying you could do if you just went to the bottom of whatever building you were already in. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel it. I feel like I would. I do better in my room just because it's a comfortable environment. Not that wherever I'm going is not a comfortable environment, but it's not mm-hmm. definitely not a comfort- comfortable environment right away. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it takes me a couple weeks usually to get used to going to particular study spots mm-hmm. every semester. Part of doing my stuff in those little short bursts just place to place in the middle of whatever thoroughfare I'm in, uh, is that I've lost track mostly of my modality. Oh, Zach. Yeah. That's Because A, prioritization is gone. Like there are a few projects that are much higher on the priority list than anything else. Mm-hmm. And my time is usually just in the one hour chunks and usually I'm just doing a task in that chunk. So knowing the mode doesn't really help as much for that. Yeah, that makes sense. I I've been trying to use modality, except it's just still almost all of my tasks are either airplane mode or search mode. And what I've taken up doing is organizing it by due date, which is not groundbreaking by any means. No, it's just what's due first. Well, what's due if if I have computer science homework due Monday, then I do computer science and I don't stop doing computer science. And for the airplane mode stuff, do you actually, like, turn off all your devices or turn off well, that, Wi-Fi yeah, to the, all of them? That's the thing, though, because if I have a airplane mode task, chances are that the rest of the things in that project, the things that are due first, are not also in airplane mode. So mm. I'll be in airplane mode for, like, 10 minutes. Okay. Not really worth it anymore. What tasks are you doing for classes that take you 10 minutes? That's a staple of my to-do system is break things up into the smallest chunks that you can make them okay but then take like a collection of those chunks that can be airplane mode do those in airplane mode they have to be in order though why oh okay that's the nature of the homework but don't you have like an airplane mode thing in each class yeah couldn't you yes but it's my brain doesn't go if if i mean it's it's a different mode it's a different type yeah. of modality. The The mode is the project. I'm in computer science mode. I'm in Latin mode. That's what I want to do right now. Mm-hmm. And then you don't really need modality. You just need 
project sorting. Yeah, which is, yeah. I, I still organize everything into modes. Uh, however, I don't, it's more for reference, like, hey, can I get this done without an internet connection just in case I don't have a good yeah. one in in Ingram Hall or whatever? Because whatever, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Ingram Hall's campus Wi-Fi kind of stinks. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess, so long as it serves a purpose, it's still... Yeah. So we're putting that project on hold modality, that is? I guess, yeah. Well, since we're on to-do list, one of the just incredible things about college is that all of our classes have a syllabus correct which they are required yeah which details everything that you're going to be doing that semester really well for most classes that is okay yeah they tell you what you're supposed to be learning for all classes they tell you what you're going to be doing for a lot of classes Mm mm-hmm for yeah a lot of classes do have like that week by week breakdown of readings and assignments yeah so for productivity nerds, this is an incredible opportunity, Zach. I agree. Like, how often do we get to know exactly what tasks will be due when for such an ex- for such a long period? It's mm-hmm. we know ahead of time for the entire semester. And, you know, like you said, not every class will be this convenient, but a lot will be. My question is, do you take advantage of this, Zach? Oh, yeah. It's annoying. It's <laughs> It's annoying. It's annoying. Because they change them. Oh. See, I've I... already had one professor change all of the readings and stuff around. Because oh. apparently he accidentally sent us out last year's syllabus schedule. That stinks. That's not what so, you're supposed to do. No. So now that I've got it all input, it's good. It's really nice because it's so nice to watch the counter tick down as you get further into the year. <laughs> and it feels like if I got really over ambitious one week i could just get all of the reading done for a while yeah that's, knowing that's something i've seen too is that i'm more willing to work ahead if it's in my to-do list and not mm-hmm. just on a piece of paper somewhere um yeah i spent like it doesn't even take that long it's like you know maybe an hour if you have a lot of classes yeah and you just input everything all the readings all the assignments even if you don't know the names of the homework, you can just say homework number one, homework number two, mm-hmm. and rename them as you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can look at a list of the things that are due, and you'll and OmniFocus has a good little feature where it breaks it into categories like due tomorrow, due within the next week, due within the next month, due within three months. Yeah, that's nice. So yeah, it's if you have the opportunity to do that, I would definitely. Did you ever go to office hours? I have once so far because I needed some help. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the things they always tell you to do. And I haven't done it the last three semesters. So I was just wondering if maybe you were better at that than me as far as going in and saying, Hi, I'm Stephen Barry and I'm a student in your class. And I I was in my, uh, I was struggling with a concept in my Latin class. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, it's the only time I've used it so far. I'm like half a sem- I'm half a semester in, so I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna do it more in the future or less. But um, uh, the Latin class is a class of fifteen, so it's not like he knew my name, he knew who I okay, was, yeah. he knew, and he already knew what I was struggling with. In fact, oh, because he grades my tests and such. <laughs> so yeah, we just we sat down and went through it, and I came out knowing more about latin awesome uh there's a 
Latin 103 group chat. Oh. And one of the words you learn, Latin isn't a, com- I should say, Latin is not a conversational lat- language. So you don't okay. learn hello, you don't learn uh, yes and no right away. In fact, there is no word for yes and no in Latin. Is it like affirmative? No, it's like, um, if it's yes, you just repeat the question. <laughs> it, how many cows are, uh, are there cows in the field? And then you say, there are cows in the field. There's no straight up yes answer. And there's no straight up no answer. There are not cows in the field. But couldn't you just respond with not? Yes, but they would look at you funny because you're an uncultured uh, poor case, which is pig. Gotcha. Um, So so you could just say are and not, but people would look at you funny. Yeah. Also, the reason you learn Latin is to translate Latin. Is not yeah. to speak Latin. It's not to write Latin. Um, anyway, the one of the words we learned is pirate because apparently there's some word. There's some things about pirates. Also, it's just a nice word to learn right away because it's a masculine noun that ends like a feminine noun. Oh, gotcha. Because we're learning feminine nouns, but this is a masculine noun that looks like a feminine noun. So it's it's okay. good because we can it follows the same rules even and we can talk about not just feminine things. Mm-hmm. Um, but with pirate, you learn the word booty, like the pirate's booty. Ah. Uh, earlier, we also learned the verb for call. So <laughs> we had a discussion in the Latin 103 group chat on what the term booty call would be. Like which order or which. Um, which there's several versions of a word in in all, of all words in Latin. Gotcha. Uh, which version would make the most sense for a booty call? Because it's not the booty that's being called. It's not the subject, or it's the booty isn't doing the ca- calling. Yeah. It's you are someone is calling the booty. So <laughs> the booty is a direct object. So um, you're more saying like I call the booty. Yeah. Because <laughs> a booty call, both words are nouns. Yeah. But we don't know call as a noun. We only know call as a verb. So I call the booty would be uh, paredam voco. Or sorry, uh, V is pronounced W. Uh, so paredam woco. All right. <laughs> paredam woco. It's, it's got a, like a good ring to it. So that about wraps things up for this week. Yeah, I really enjoyed that podcast uh, in which we talked about all the things that I definitely still remember. Uh, It was a good podcast that we did there. And there can be even more good podcasts if you would like to read along with us in Baron of the Trees by an author whose name I can never remember. And even when I do remember it, I can't pronounce it. Italo Calvino. So we read up to the very beginning of chapter seven, which is a page. We don't know what that page is, though, because we use Kindles. Oh, wait. The Kindle web app totally has pages. Weird. Except... Mine only has locations. Except the pages aren't the same number of pages as the paper copy. So if I zoom out, maybe I can make it the same amount number of pages. Apply. Nope. The pages just get smaller. <laughs> what the heck, Kindle? That is legitimately confusing. Why would What they is? Do- like, they just shrink the pages. There's the same amount of pages. What else would Zoom Out do? Put more words on the page. Make the text oh. smaller. 
make put more words on the page, but they just make the page smaller. Yeah. Because the zoom out function is meant to work with like Kindle textbooks and stuff as well. If you want to change the text size, you go into text size options. Yeah, no, I, I went to text size and then I clicked the small one and then it's three and it's still 307 pages with the same amount of words on the page. Just they're smaller now. Huh. Well, whatever. That's not important. Okay, so <laughs> read along. Uh, so if you've read along with us to the beginning of Chapter 7, uh, we're going to start talking about that now. But if you haven't, be sure to uh, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm available at the puns guy, And I'm at NotStevenBerry. Also, if you haven't read the book to Chapter 7 yet, read the book to Chapter 7. It's You should. You should follow along and have fun with the podcast. Yeah, this is an interactive medium. We like like to interact, get some get some other opinions. Zach and I are an echo chamber of pretty much no opinions about anything. I totally agree, Stephen. <laughs> uh, also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Ah, uh, yes, or whatever podcatcher you choose to use. So, my first note is about how great the Kindle is. In what way? In the way that, um, at least with my, I've got a like actual Kindle device, and I can highlight a word or a, um, a a phrase in another language, and it will define it or translate it, and that was really useful with um, like words like almoner, yeah. which is nothing to do with almonds actually, or uh, uh, cavalier avocado <laughs> was the one I highlighted. It's just a happy super fruit, right? Or super vegetable? I thought avocado was a fruit. Is it? It's got a pit, but I'm pretty sure it's a vegetable. It's green. Green <laughs> apples aren't real. I don't. I don't. All all green things are vegetables. Okay, so I'm currently googling avocado fruit question mark. <laughs> like uh, green apple lollipops. Those are vegetables. <laughs> Okay, why why clickbait? If, if your if your meat goes bad and turns green, that's a vegetable ha. now. This CaliforniaAvocado.com says confirmed. The California avocado is a nutrient dense fruit, not a vegetable. Great. I'm pretty sure the classifications are meaningless anyway, aren't they? It's not a biological thing. It's just like I think well, it's a, this, yeah, it's a nutritional this thing. Is actually, a fruit, yeah. right? For a while, at least, tomatoes were classified as a vegetable. But now they're a fruit, because pizza's a fruit, right? <laughs> it grows on trees. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was like an actual discussion that was had. Well, okay, let's look at the ingredients. We've got tomatoes. We've got flour. Uh, sugar. Pineapple. You imbecile. <laughs> no, get your heathenous pizza with pineapple out of here. I just offended some of our listeners. And you know where pineapple comes from? The ground. The ground. You're right. But you know where pizza comes from? I said the wrong, the wrong food, <laughs> the wrong fruit. You know where pizza comes from? Where did those pizza come from, Zach? Italy. Are you trying to get us back on track? Because I won't yeah, allow that. Yeah, I just segued us in a circle. <laughs> That's not how tangents work, Zach. We can't come back. <laughs> it's it's just two tangent circles. I mean, I guess, is that, I mean, 
I guess technically they're tangential, aren't they? Yeah, because they each touch each other at only one point. Okay, but that would imply that we were, we'll come back to pizza and with pineapples on it later in the discussion of this book. Uh, that would. You're correct. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I'm currently resting my head against the pop filter. <laughs> I, I entirely lost where this even started. Um, Cavalier, Ca- avoc- Cavalier avocado. Yep. What does it mean? Because I never actually looked that up. I just... Yeah, I don't remember because uh, my web app is not happy with me. My Kindle says that it means cavalier attorney. As in lawyer? Yeah, advocate. Hmm. Which would be interesting, because it seems like he does mostly labor. Yes. Maybe they left it untranslated because it's not supposed to be translated. Maybe. I Yeah, I guess that's possible. And it, it like, the story follows. It's just the uncle who does some of the work around the house. Yeah. They had this great plan to free the snails Mm -hmm. where they were going to lay food in a trail out of the window. Yeah. And it did not work at all because Mm -hmm. that's frankly a ridiculous plan that would never work. Like at 12, I could see though. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That would seem like a great plan. That's what this is the note. Uh, did you ever do anything like this when you were a kid? Like, just this genius plan that you were so confident in, but nothing went right. I'm pretty sure um, I made, like, this huge cardboard castle for my cat. <laughs> okay. And we, like, cut little cat holes for him to run through and, like, everything. And he just did not go in it. So, like, we <laughs> we put him in it. We physically put him in it, and he just jumped out. Oh, that's lame. <laughs> I think the only time I thought of was uh, around St. Patrick's Day. I was told by a uh, primary school teacher or something that leprechauns were a thing and you could catch them if you set a trap. Ah. So uh, I cut out little gold um, medallions <laughs> out of paper and put them under a box with a stick and a string and tried to like rig up a tripwire. Yeah. And surprisingly enough, that did not catch any leprechauns. Yeah, that that actually reminds me. Um speaking of tripwires for fantastical creatures, uh one Christmas. Any any younger listeners plug your ears. Uh-oh. Um one Christmas I laid out, I took a whole bunch of tin cans from the recycling, <laughs> cleaned them out, like hooked them up to a string and laid that between like the front door because we don't have a chimney. So Santa just came in the front door and the Christmas tree. And then I slept on the couch right next to the Christmas tree. See, Zach, this is bad kid behavior. This gets you on the naughty list. Does it? You're trying to entrap the man who's giving you presents. I wouldn't have entrapped him or anything. I just wanted to be like, hey, dude. (laughs) You're not supposed to, like, he's coming at night while you're sleeping for a reason. I... I hold that this is naughty list behavior. It it probably was, but I still got my presents, so... Oh, well, I guess you were just a good kid the rest of the year. 
He still ate the milk and cookies, and he he actually even wrote a little note back, like, make sure you watch out for those tin cans when you wake up in the morning. That could trap somebody. That's cute. (laughs) Yeah. Did anything happen with the leprechaun, or? Um, I can't remember if the gold coins were gone or not, but there was definitely not a leprechaun in the box. Yeah, figures. They're, They're tricky. Yeah. Um, I... I definitely, for this book, switched into a much more honors college mindset for reading, looking for the metaphor and whatever, and it's not uh, that question that you had reminded me very much so that that's not the kind of reading that we do for Worrying Bugs book <laughs> no, club. No, but this is a very, like, English class kind of book. Like, there, yeah. it, the whole, it's a short story with very clear metaphors, uh-huh. it points at least. That lends itself to a school setting. However, I'm hoping that we can make it this more interesting than my high school English class. I noticed on the uh, at location 803, the curtains were blue. <laughs> they were sad. They were sad. Then they said that the story is pieced together from scattered testimony and whatever and deductions, whatever he could get from Kazimo, Kazimo. And the people around him at the time. Yeah, it's a weird um, first-person story because mm-hmm. it at times it's like a present tense. I said this to Cosimo. Um, other times it's telling the story of Cosimo's night or his, just yeah. him doing something as if he's retelling it to us from someone else. And that adds to this weird like sense of no time. Like, for all we know, at the end of chapter seven, he's been up for three days. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really... Or it could have been a week and a half, or just because each event, he's like, and then a bunch of other stuff happened. But that wasn't right then. That was a different time. Yeah, because it's, like, through the eyes of a of a child, really. Yeah. Which sounds like a great literary device to get away with bad writing. <laughs> to me but i realize that's not the case here but if i was going to go into a creative writing class that would be something to do yeah actually i think i remember a um a a robot passed a turing test by claiming it was a uh eight-year-old from pakistan Mm -hmm. trying to speak english which yeah it's cheating but whatever (laughs) uh my next note is about the fruit thieves um, well, before the fruit thieves showed up, uh, before he even heard about them, he had the argument with um, Viola. Yeah, Viola. Viola and him um, have an argument about air rights in 1700s Italy. Oh, uh, yeah, right. And I think he wins it. Uh, he claims. Sort of, yeah, but she also gets sort of an upper hand. This is another note of mine, but um, she, if she goes into the tree, she's an invited guest, but if he puts his feet on the ground he turns into ash i think yep so it's he wins the argument but i i think he loses the war in this case i think he didn't want the ground though but yeah it's not in an advantageous position (laughs) um but before they have the argument um the viola calls him a fruit thief Uh uh-huh and of course he doesn't know that the fruit thieves are a separate uh, gang entirely, but I ju- I'm just wondering, like, 
the name the fruit t- thieves it it limits them they seem uh, like they could do so much more than just steal fruit they have this great <laughs> escape method via the trees but they're limiting themselves to just fruit by this name well they didn't have the the trees as an escape method until he came along well regardless like they are well known enough to have a name therefore they must be at least kind of good at stealing fruit i think they could also be stealing other things then they're just petty thieves and that sounds much less enticing to a 12 year old i think well i mean i think it's just it's a phrasing issue because you could say you want to be part of the fruit thieves and the kid will be like yeah but if you're like do you want to be um part of a grand conspiracy to steal all the things in the market (laughs) see that sounds much more enticing to me (laughs) sounds like marxism to me a little bit and also during that discussion that they were having um the translator at least in the edition that i have announced the switch from the familiar or yeah to the familiar to in their language which was just an interesting there's no real parallel for that in English, going from you, my professor, or my boss, to you, my friend. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect of Italian. I'm not, is that common in other Romance languages? I think so. At least Spanish. There's two different. I am currently studying Latin. That being said, I am less than a half semester in. Mm-hmm. So, so far, there's nothing like that. But it was interesting that the translator called attention to it because the story would have read if they hadn't but it just added a little bit of nuance that was a little less nuanced stated plainly yeah for sure that's uh i think that's a good call on the translator's part yeah there's a phrase in here that i'm wondering if you have heard because i have not okay there was something about a saying that went something like you could get from rome to spain without touching the ground a monkey could Mm-hmm. no wondering if you'd heard that before because i have not no but i i feel like that's a much more relevant phrase a if you live in europe and b if you live in europe in the 1700s okay because listeners if you live in europe in the 1700s and you've heard this before please send us a message on twitter and or write a message to your great great grandchildren telling them to Write a message on Twitter to us. We are. We also accept carrier pigeon. You, do you? I don't. I do. Okay, great. What's your carrier pigeon address? Uh, just, just write my name and show it to the pigeon, and it'll know where to go. Oh, sweet. I was. I actually don't know how that works. So I don't either. <laughs> I imagine it's a lot like a uh, DNS where. The pigeon goes to a central hub and says, hey, yo, where do I go? <laughs> and other pigeons are like, oh, yeah, Zach Sharp. I think he he's over in um, he's over in Illinois. And then the Illinois pigeons are like, what? Who is Zach Sharp? <laughs> and then so the pigeon flies back and he's like, guys, it wasn't Illinois. <laughs> um, and eventually it gets to Milwaukee. But yeah. Yeah, that sound sounds about right to me. Um, nothing, nothing to do with like magnetic homing. None of that. Hmm. You know, hmm. if, if anyone actually use carrier pigeons, I think I have a way to set up a, a, a pineapple for carrier pigeons. 
like a man in the middle attack on yes. carrier pigeons. Yes. Besides, uh, nothing nothing to do with harming the birds. That's just mean. But yeah, not um, not an actual attack, but a man in the middle. But you just mess with their radio with their uh, magnetic field. Okay. You you wear you wear a giant magnet ha- hat, <laughs> and the pigeons will just come to you, or at least. Well, then how do you get them back away from you? It's got to be a giant electromagnet hat. Oh, good good point, good point. So, so you can turn you, it on and off. You attract the birds to you. You take their messages, change the message, or read it, or whatever you want to do with it. Put uh-huh. it back to the pigeon. Turn off your magnet, and they go fly away to their intended de- destination. Yeah, and you also built in the cell tower feature as well. Yeah, I mean, duh. If you're gonna have a battery to power a giant electromagnet, you might as well use some of it to man in the middle <laughs> actual phones. This this book tells us this um, tells its stories a lot like I do. Like something will tangent off, and then that whole trail will go until its completion. Like when we were finally with each other again, Kazimo did all these things until he was like fifty or whatever. But that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about when Cosimo was 12. <laughs> Just the concept of bandits and this idea of joining the bandits um, kind of in Peter Pan with the the Lost Boys and uh, Treasure Island. It's, it's a very common, alluring concept, especially for like young adult coming of age kind of novels. And I just was reminded as I was reading this that there's a class that delves really deep into the mythos of bandits and pirates uh here at my school interesting i wonder why that is the coming of age bandit story they at the very least appear to live by their own rules which when you're 12 or 13 is cool okay yeah that makes sense i don't know and they don't i I think like they're not judgmental they don't at least the ones in the stories don't look down on you for being 12. They just thank you for whatever help you can provide. They will look down on you for wearing a powdered wig, though. That is something they'll look down on you for. <laughs> just don't wear a powdered wig, then. Yeah. Problem solved. Cosimo basically gets away with this crime of stealing fruit because he comes from a rich family. Yep. And that's about it. Just would like to point that out. And, and then... Afterwards, once we get into chapter five, he runs back, like, through his home. Oh, I just knocked a thing. I was gesticulating wildly, and I knocked my water bottle off my desk. (laughs) And then getting into chapter five, he runs through his childhood home, and they just kind of point at him and go, oh, hey, there he goes. Like, they don't even say, hey, stop, please come down, eat food. They just watch him as he goes. Yeah, it's like, um he's like a an airplane like you don't actually like when you look up at an airplane and point you're like hey look an airplane you're not like airplane stop i want to get a better look at you come down here okay but the airplane is not your son steven (laughs) well i mean airplanes belong in the sky that's where they feel their best that's where he feels his best in the trees i guess yeah who are we to get in in the way of such natural processes as airplanes and poison trees? Did you ever do this kind of thing? Like, go off and make your own kingdom somewhere? Um, I wouldn't say it was a king- kingdom, no. 
I would say that it... I did, like, imagine worlds, and I imagine, but I always imagined them as just shrunk down. The, the things already in my home or in the yard of my home were just shrunken down versions of the structures I was imagining. So the couch is a large building that okay the character of the toy that i am currently playing with is Mm -hmm. is running on top of or whatever it's um i also did this kind of imagining with my sister who Mm -hmm. is on uh who's two years younger than i am so we we grew up together for a good portion of our lives and when you're imagining a kingdom with someone else it becomes less imaginary yeah because it has to be you can't just impose your imagination on someone else you have to agree on the imagination and that makes it so that the physical things have to become what you're imagining you can't just imagine a building because there's no building for because you both had different pictures of the building in your mind is uh-huh. what i'm extrapolating from my <laughs> largely incomplete memory of my childhood so i did that in a way actually i i didn't have siblings so i never had to codify it like to get the same idea across to someone but i still did i remember i made a clipboard out of plywood and like wood staples and just a sheet of office paper and i would like draw out maps of the sidewalk that we had in front of our house and like what each district was in the side it was a whole thing i had to save them every winter by shoveling the snow wait okay so you stapled a piece of paper to plywood well like a stack of paper and you just ripped them off when you were done with that piece of paper yeah okay all right and then was it like was it completely imaginary or was it like chalk like when you say you had to save them was it just your parents way of getting you to shovel snow no it was my way of getting me to shovel snow <laughs> i i gamified myself <laughs> oh that's great you need to join a startup now if you tell them that and they will hire you instantly it's, it's an ai based um chore gamification that like kind of like um it's not artificial it's a natural intelligence uh well, you got to use AI to figure out, like, where the snow is, or computer vision, at least, to figure out if the snow is still on the sidewalk and, like, which areas are still under <laughs> snow. All right. All right. Um, like, uh, Zombies Run, where you have this town that you're responsible for. So when you go out running, you need to... It was this app to encourage you to run. Is that the one where it, like, played zombie noises in your ear so you would run faster? Yeah. Okay. But it also... Like, as you were running, as you hit certain milestones, you would get, like, a pack of food, and then you'd come back and you'd get to choose how to distribute the food or something. I never got very far in it. That sounds very dictatory. No, there was someone else who was leading the whole thing. You were just... Getting the food. All right. All right. But then I also, um, with some friends, closer to Cosimo's age, actually, like 12, 13, probably going up to, like, 14... um, we had uh, a chunk of my backyard because I had a pretty big backyard that we declared as the United States of Josh. 
And again, like that was a whole, it was a whole thing. There were rules to it. We started like made up a Google form for citizenship. Oh my goodness. Cause somebody's brother wanted in or something. <laughs> so we made the questions like intentionally really hard to answer unless you were one of the three of us. So no one else could get in. And we, we did it with, um, we had a Minecraft server too. And actually a lot of this book kind of reminds me of the feeling of starting up a new Minecraft server either like a new world on your own or a new world with friends and writing those rules for yourself or discovering the place around and mapping it out. Um, And again, just kind of getting to build your own kingdom and set up your own systems. Why is no one else besides me so impressed that he has stayed in the tree for this long? It's been like three days, right? I mean, that's what it seems like, but like you said, we don't actually know, but at least three days. So I, it is impressive, you're right, but I also didn't really find myself thinking it was all that impressive. The, it it just seems like the thing that he's doing. I'm more concerned about how he's going to clean his clothes. It sounds like he stays up there for, like, at least until the very end of the story. I mean, yeah, that would make sense. But and how is he going to have, like barony clothes he can't go from being the baron in the trees to wearing a like potato sack no but i mean he could still like tear off the sleeves of his coat and like knock the powder out of the wig like he could still have nicer clothes than the rest of the fruit thieves and be still be the baron yeah he goes from the baron in the trees to the baron of the trees all right but I don't know, I can't explain it, but it just doesn't feel all that much of a big thing that he's been up there for a while. But, like, like you said, like, before, you were just like, hey, look, there goes Cosimo. But, yeah. like, they should be like, oh my gosh, Cosimo is still up in that tree, how is he still up in that tree? <laughs> well, the the mother is satisfied because she knows Semaphore and has a telescope and everyone else is i don't know <laughs> all right i don't know maybe it'll be addressed in the next couple chapters also that dead cat was very reminiscent of Rimdi, the cat attacking him out in the wilderness hmm. maybe cosmo is actually uh richard yep he's gonna cryo sleep for two three hundred it's three hundred years it doesn't it this is a metaphor for Richard's early life before the story of Rimdi. Neil Stevenson Perhaps. is writing under a pseudonym in Italian. In 1700s. Yes. In the 1700s. Articles are important, folks. All right. And with that, I think we're going to sign off. That's a good plan. Do we want to talk about what chapter we're reading to next? Good idea. Let's see. It looks to me like the next one about the same pace would be chapter 15, or the very beginning of chapter 15. That looks right to me, 50%. All right, so we'll be back in two weeks, having read up to the beginning of chapter 15. Which, in our editions, would be location 1634, and if you're on the Kindle web app, it's page 153. All right. And if you're reading a real book, get get some technology. Why do you heathen? hate trees? Yeah. Also, uh, 
it, it's just you you can there are chapter markers yeah go by the chapter markers chapter 15 <laughs> i'm sure you like trees just fine probably all right we'll see you in two weeks i am at not Stephen barry on twitter i'm at the puns guy on twitter don't forget to rate and subscribe like and comment and we'll smell you later give you bye